Welcome to Prince Try by Track presents Steve with the Classics. Today we're going to be talking about the final track, officially, of Songs in the Key of Life, Another Star. Uh, released on the 28th of September 1976, and then later released as a single uh, in 1977. Uh, the, on the track we have a lot of people. We've got Stevie Wonder, obviously. Uh, we've got Bobby Humphrey playing some jazz flute. Uh, George Benson is playing guitar and doing background vocals. We've got Hank Red on alto sax. Raymond Maldando returns on trumpet. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, is there on tenor. Uh, Steve Mareo returns on trumpet. Uh, we also have Nathan Orford Jr. doing some percussion. Uh, along with that, we have Carmelo Hungaria Garcia doing some timbales. And uh, Nathan Watts is playing the bass. And in background, we have Josie James doing vocals. The track is 8 minutes 24. Um, and joining me to talk about today is David Dunn, 21. Hello. Hi, Darren. For most of the 70s, Stevie Wonder managed to avoid following trends, uh, but for some reason, he got to the end of Songs in the Key of Life and decided to finish it off with an eight and a half minute disco track. And I gotta say, in terms of like disco, uh, you know, it's not like I was gonna be a person in, uh, what was it, the Philly Stadium burning disco records, <laughs> <laughs> declaring disco to be dead like a year after this. Um, but, you know, it's not like one of my favorite genres. Um, you know, as a child of the 80s, I particularly hated a lot of stuff from the 70s, um, including glam rock and disco. Um, so I, I always, I've always found this to be like the oddest choice that he's resisted for so long. And, you know, he has full creative control. Nobody can tell Stevie Wonder what to do. Uh, so it's not like Barry Gordy is like, quick, record us a disco song so we can have like a hit. Um, but all of a sudden he just finishes off this this kind of epic album that has gone through so many different kind of genres and moods and he just decides to go with almost nine minutes of disco um, and it's probably some of the best disco you're ever going to hear because of course it's Stevie Wonder doing disco um, but still it's I don't know it's such a weird kind of way for him to finish the album um, you know and it did okay as a single it got to number 32 on the Hot 100 um, number 29 on the easily listening chart which is a weird place for it um, and it manages of course to get to number two on the dance disco chart which I think is obviously what they were um, you know aiming for um, but yeah I don't know I like it's it's always one of those songs that kind of catches me off guard because I'm not really expecting a disco <laughs> song um, and obviously as is such a kind of um, like I, I don't know as is is a is like a great song uh, that's kind of on a whole different level, um, and then it, like as soon as that finishes, and that's not a short song either, you know, like that's a kind of a nice seven minutes. All of a sudden, you're into the disco, and it's like, what has happened here? Like, how have we ended up in this plate? <laughs> um, it's such a weird kind of it's a weird place for the album to finish. Obviously, then we've still got four more tracks that are you know the the something extra EP, but it's still a weird place for you know if you if you first bought. Um, you know, uh, songs in the key of life on you know LP. You just had these two discs, and this is where we finish. You know, the end of the fourth side. Um, and like I say, there's kind of towards the end of the song, there's like a kind of a bit of jazz flute going on, right. <laughs> um, and I, like and the kind of the timbales are kind of really prominent, and 
I, I don't know. There's just like a whole lot of percussion going on. Um, you know, unusually, there's not, you know, there's not really kind of that much in the way of synth. It's mostly like kind of piano, but there's like, I don't know. It's such a weird, it's such a weird song. I, I don't know if anybody else feels this way about this song, but it always strikes me as the weirdest way to finish uh, like an album. Imagine if Prince had done 1999 and the final track had just been like, you know, a duet with Donna Summer for like nine <laughs> minutes. You'd be like, what has happened? Where have we, en- how have we ended up with the, the end of this double album with just this weird, like, I mean, I, I know that disco was like big in 76, but it's not like Stevie Wonder has gone anywhere near disco. Like literally nothing he's done in the seventies has even sounded anything close to disco. And the, here we are. Um, you know, it's just a, a delightfully odd way to finish this double album. At the same time, absolutely everything that you said is accurate. But at the same time, la 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 la. <laughs> it, it just, man, I love this song. It it only it it is only diminished in comparison to as which really as should be entitled i'll be loving you always it's kind of how we think about it, at least how i think about it but it's it, yeah it's it's quite a groove it's quite a groove everything you said about kind of the digression to disco i think is probably accurate and i i think it probably i, I don't know you, you can't really say that it was influential in the sense that like you said disco was going on but it was kind of looking up that like you know the whiz was 1978 a couple you know a couple years after this or dream girls was 81 you know later on and I, I feel like there's kind of elements i mean it's disco elements you know you, like you said you got the horns you've got got the aspect of it and and you know again the lyrics the lyrics are what the what, what the lyrics are but actually it's interesting i um last year actually just about exactly a year ago my wife and i caught uh, stevie wonder in las vegas and I'm not a hundred percent sure. It, they, they definitely played this song. I want to say it was either before the um, the final encore, or it was the final song. But I don't remember. I think maybe the, the maybe Superstition was the last song. But um, quite an interesting story for me. I don't get to see too much live music, and whether this was a plant or not, two thirds. Through the show, uh, one of Stevie's dancers whispered in his ear, and and Stevie said, "Oh, um." Somebody says Johnny Gill is in the audience. Well, um, tell him tell him to come on up if if he wants. And so then Johnny Gill, so everybody applauds, and Johnny Gill, uh, I, I think he starts going stage right, and then he ends up going stage left. And Johnny Gill, without a microphone, got on the stage and just started. You know, he's wearing like a jumpsuit, and he just started dancing. And at a certain point, he started to share Stevie's mic. Stevie's at the piano, and it was for me who doesn't get to see um, maybe one one or two concerts a year at most. It was it was pretty awesome for me, also being you know, a child of the new edition era, but yeah, it's, it's the kind of song that just kind of goes on and on and on and on. And it's, you know, which, as you said, a disco kind of song meant to dance to. And it's, I I still very much enjoy it, but like you said, it's kind of this deep cut that it's, it's never ending essentially. I feel like if these last two songs were the other way around, if it went another star and then as that would feel like a bigger finish to the album as it is, it's like you have as, and then you think, oh, well, this is like, this is a great song. This is where the album's going to finish. And then suddenly Stevie's like coming in with some la la la's. And then you're, you're suddenly in this kind of like eight minute disco. And it's like, what's going on? Like, what? <laughs> like it's, it's such a weird turn. At the same time, I just love that Stevie Wonder decided I'm going to finish this album with a yep. disco song and just did that. Like he's waited like, you know, I mean, disco obviously kind of started to get big and kind of like, you know, a couple of years before this. So basically you know in the time that he didn't release an album in like 75 disco became like huge so i think it's funny that he's kind of like oh well you know i think disco's big so maybe i'll try a disco yep. song you know like 
you know, Sir Duke is like a big band song, right. so why not go for a disco song as well? <laughs> like, if he's going to try and do all these different songs, you know, Pastime Paradise has got, like, Hari Krishna's chanting, so why not do a disco <laughs> song? Like, it, it, it feels like, you know, somebody might have looked at the track list and gone, Stevie, what are you doing? And he's like, look, you know, I had a song, uh, you know, that, that kind of has three different languages in the title, so why not finish mm-hmm. with a disco song? <laughs> like, you know, I've got a song where you hear me bathing my two-year-old daughter, so why not finish with a disco song? Like, it, it, it's like there's no kind of decision here where it's like it makes any sense but at the same time it's like okay i guess this is this is what we're doing then we're just gonna have a disco for eight minutes and finish the album um and you know it's not quite the longest track because uh black man is longer by about two seconds oh, yeah, but yeah. it's it's almost the longest track uh just on a technicality it's not the longest track but it's still you know it's still a lot of disco to kind of put out there and it's kind of telling that the single release of it was like cut down to like five minutes <laughs> because the last three minutes are just kind of like the the main kind of groove and like little different different solos from instruments and just a kind of a kind of just a melee of various things happening for a few minutes before eventually the song kind of decides that it's over but yeah the, the lyrics aren't anything kind of that remarkable because you know he's talking i mean there's a lot of kind of you know um you know, for you, there might be a brighter star, but, you know, through my eyes, the the light is you, you know, there's lots of kind of, you know, there might be another star, there might be another song, but my heart is so demanding. Um, and, and it's just kind of like fell in love, you know, would break my heart in two. Um, I, I think also in um, Summersoft, he talked about someone breaking their heart yeah, in two. Right. So uh, this is something, obviously, this heartbreak is obviously something that he's kind of feeling at this point, particular point in his life. Um, but yes, yeah, so, you know, there's a kind of just this, this repetition of like talking to this person and saying, you know, love might bring me toast of wine and, you know, each sparkle, you, you know, is, is, you know, is the best. And, you know, just kind of like saying that everything is good about this kind of relationship um, and that, you know, there might be another star, but, you know, through my eyes, you are the light. And, you know, it's it, like I say, it, there's not like a huge amount of depth in terms right. of the actual kind of like lyrics or anything. Um, but it's just as with most disco songs, I don't know that there's a huge amount of um, thought behind this, the songs. You can ring my bell, ring my bell. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can ring her bell. That's pretty much the entire thrust of the song. Um, you know, there's very few disco songs where there is any kind of differentiated kind of like, um, you know, different like lyrical content. It's just usually just a chorus for nine or ten minutes. And that's pretty much the entire thing. I, I do think, though, um, I do think, you know, though, that, and obviously you could nitpick this a little bit, but I do think generally speaking for the Stevie wonder songs that I appreciate the simplicity kind of becomes, you know, a feature, not a bug in so much as you can put whatever emotions or experiences that you have into the lyrics because the lyrics are, are kind of deliberately vague, you know? So there's kind of vague songs about love or love lost, or like you said, you know, for you, there might be another star, but, but you're the only one I see. And you kind of just map on your emotions to the song because they're, you know, sufficiently vague, especially when the lyrics are describing kind of these elemental things we talked about with Summersoft or kind of, I remember like the majority of my life, cause I wasn't looking over the, the lyrics in the Stevie Wonder song Overjoyed. I thought he was saying one day you'll see my face among the clouds and not crowd, but you know, it kind of works either way. You know, the emotion is kind of conveyed uh, and you just kind of you kind of map on your own emotions into it. But with that being said, you know, it's a big, long disco song about love. I do think his vocal performance is quite 
it, he, he really starts ripping the second, uh, the second half of this song. And really, you know, he stay when he's screaming and yelling, stay with me. I, I think it's, it, it's quite a good vocal performance, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a disco song. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is obviously I, you know, we take for granted and I, you know, I don't know that I've, I've brought this up in every episode, but Stevie, Stevie Wonder's vocals are always amazing. Um, you know, and I think even when, you know, Rolling Stone were reviewing um, where I'm coming from and music on my mind and they were kind of disagreeing about like the overblown production or whatever uh, nonsense that was written in the early 70s about those albums. Uh, they at least acknowledged that Stevie Wonder's voice is always, you know, pristine. And I think that's the thing as well. Like when he's put like in um, in as when he does have the kind of towards the end and he has the like he really puts his he kind of does that kind of growly singing that that kind of Stevie Wonder voice is, is one that I always love and I think it's the same in this song like he's really putting his emotion into the the vocals even if the lyrical content isn't that deep um, and I think he does kind of there are some songs obviously you know from around the time where he broke up with Sarita I say broke up as if they were you know 13 mm-hmm. year olds and going out when he divorced his wife <laughs> and um, and some of the songs from that time period um, in particular, like something like maybe your baby, like he, like the emotion is in his voice. Like it's very raw um, and the lyrics are kind of very, they're very simple, but like his emotion is very much there at the front in this. There's less emotion. <laughs> like, um, you know, the idea that somebody like that, that you might be the center of like somebody else might be the center of your universe, but you're the center of my universe. That feels like it should be a bigger statement. Right. Um, but you know, it feels a little bit like he's mostly kind of concerned with the production and, you know, the kind of the vocal delivery and not really so much the kind of the lyrical content in this song, um, which is fine because, you know, pretty much, you know, Stevie wonder singing, whatever is probably yeah. better than, 99% of most artists so right. I'll happily take Stevie Wonder singing kind of meaningless lyrics over over kind of well produced music any day um, there's nobody who like sings I, like him there's nobody who sings like it no. and it, it's always interesting uh, occasionally to go down a YouTube rabbit hole of kind of his appearances on different award shows the Grammys through the 80s through the 90s and you can hear him with Whitney Houston or on th- these different kind of medleys that he was doing with different people at the time. And, and you'll, you'll hear him singing. He's like, Oh, here's, here's Stevie wonder next to Whitney Houston, this kind of technically perfect singer, but it's just, nobody sings like, like, like Stevie wonder. He kind of mixes kind of the character vocals with just this perfect, uh, this kind of perfect aspect of you sing. Like he puts the emotion in his voice. So it's kind of the mix of just like the, the soul singer uh, versus the technically proficient singer. And like you said, because the musical arrangements are up, on his great songs are just so incredible. We probably don't always talk about the singing, but yeah, it's it's nobody Stevie. And I think that's 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 probably one of the reasons why during the eighties, when Stevie Wonder appeared on your record, it was to play the harmonica and mm. not sing 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 a vocal line. You know, he's not turning up on Shaka Khan's "I Feel for You" and singing some lines. He's just doing the harmonica. You know, he's not turning up on a eurythmic song to sing like backing vocals. He's coming in to play the harmonica because I think most of those people knew that if Stevie started singing on their tracks, it's only going to show them up. And yep. so, so just restricting to playing the harmonica and playing it in such a distinctive way that it doesn't matter what song he plays it on. You instantly know without being told it's Stevie Wonder playing harmonica. So he, even with a harmonica, he's outshining people. <laughs> so He loves the harmonica. He loves even in, in his concert. He, he, he whips it out in like 
0.5 seconds and all of a sudden i mean you know on on some tracks where there was no harmonica in the original track he he loves to play it he plays it loud right up into the mic and it's it's kind of you have to imagine it's his favorite thing to do because it's just it's it's so pervasive in so many of these tracks yeah and I, i think the thing is as well in the you know 40 years since this album came out I don't think anybody else has made the harmonica their instrument. <laughs> so Stevie Wonder's still right, yeah. got that advantage. Like if you hear a harmonica, you think Stevie Wonder, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just kind of what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I've been obviously grading a lot of these things very highly. So I would, but the thing is, I don't know. I would, I think this just goes on just a little too long for me and I enjoy the kind of chaos of it, but unfortunately I don't think it'll go any higher than a four out of five, maybe a four and a half out of five, maybe only half a point off of the fact that it's a couple of minutes too long. I think I prefer the single version, which is five minutes instead of eight. I think by the time I get five minutes, I don't minutes think in, I've ever skipped it. So yeah. I will, I'll go, I'll go uh, four <laughs> out of five as well. I think that's probably accurate, but again, it, it, it on a different album, maybe this would stand a little bit higher. But like you said, in, in, next to As and um, Knocks Me Off My Feet and kind of the other things that, I, you know, this, these these Titanic songs on this, just one of the greatest albums ever. Yeah, four, four out of five. But I've never skipped this song. I love this song. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, like, th- there's probably a person somewhere in the 70s who could have just had this as their only, like, disco hit. And they would still be dining out on it. But for Stevie Wonder, this is just an album track that is kind of like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously the level of kind of musicianship we've got from Stevie Wonder and how great he is. Um, and yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, I still have four more tracks to kind of talk about um, with the EP that came out. Uh, you know, I think when they, I, I think it was like a couple of months after they added the EP to the, the kind of package. And, you know, if you buy this on CD or digitally or any other way, um, you know, this isn't the last track. There's still kind of four more tracks. Um, but I, you know, in terms of songs in the key of life, this is kind of the last track. Um, and I think this is kind of appropriate to, to talk about uh, why I'm not covering any more Stevie Wonder albums after songs in the key of life. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like this is an appropriate way to, uh, you know, I kind of opened the project with an episode talking about why I feel these are kind of like the, the, the album tracks that I wanted to talk about, you know, the tracks that I wanted to talk about for Stevie Wonder. Um, you know, and rather than doing like I did with Prince and covering every single track, um, I just don't think that I could make it through all the albums after this. I certainly couldn't cover um, Journey Through Secret Life of Plants. I just don't know how I would even attempt <laughs> to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I think kind of from this point on, the amount of songs that I enjoy from Stevie Wonder grows less and less with each passing year. And obviously his his his, his kind of rate of production slows so quickly. Um, you know, he puts out like, you know, like another, I think, you know, four albums in the next kind of decade. Uh, but since then, it's taken him, you know, like almost a decade between albums. Uh, and then the last album he released was like 2005. And so he hasn't released anything in almost 15 years. Uh, and... Uh, so I guess maybe his career... I mean, I don't know that he's going to record another album. He's made guest appearances on several other tracks since he last released an album. Uh, so he's still out there. And he is obviously, like you say, you've seen him live since then. So he's still touring. Um, although I feel he's kind of become what Prince never wanted to become, which is a greatest hits act. Um, you know, And right. those are some really great hits. That's the thing. Like, you know, his back catalogue is so good that I think he can easily just be a greatest hits act and probably be happy with that. Um, but I just don't think that the quality of the albums is as strong from this point onwards. 
Um, you know, he, I mean, there's a reason why Paul Simon thanked him for not releasing an album in 1975, because if, <laughs> yeah, if he, if he had, he probably wouldn't have won a Grammy for that as well. You know, he ended up winning Grammy of the year for the, for the album, you know, for album of the year, like three out of four years. And that's unprecedented. Nobody has done that since like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of crazy. Like how, like, I mean, he didn't win like the most amount of Grammys because I think even something, I don't know, like there's so many Grammy categories these days, you know, like I think Nora Jones won something ridiculous, like more Grammys in one year than Stevie Wonder's done in his entire career. But still he, he won them at a rate that was kind of unprecedented. And, from this point on the amount of awards he wins becomes steadily less and you know the kind of more people giving him kind of three out of five instead of five out of five starts to grow more and more um and so i feel like if i were to continue past songs in the key of life it would just be a hard slog uh to the end of his career and you know i would i'd rather think of stevie as he was in 76 you know at the peak of his powers and probably at that point unrivaled by anybody else you know obviously prince was yet to release an album so you know give it another two years and i think he's got somebody who's kind of in the same ballpark at least um but for the for the moment it's like i don't i don't know that i could go through the original motion picture soundtrack to the woman in red and enjoy recording those episodes you know there were some prince albums i struggled to get through but at the very least you know, I could enjoy 50% of most of those, whereas I don't think I'm even going to be reaching that for some of the albums from the 80s. See, we and we talked a little bit about this in the green room, but I I found that interesting because it, not being familiar with that position, I as I think thought about it, I, I think you're probably right. But as a child kind of of the 80s, as you were, I just didn't know any better. And so <laughs> kind of my exposure to my exposure to all of that, I, I think probably my first musical memory was... Um, you know, probably Thriller or Motown 25, Michael Jackson on Motown 25. I would have been, you know, four or five or something like that. And so kind of you have this memory as you're kind of uh, building up your musical knowledge. But even before that, when you're three, four or five, you have this idea that there's this guy that's Michael Jackson. And it's, it, wait, there's also this Janet Jackson. Is that his sister? You're not sure. There's no Internet. But you, you, you kind of you, you get a little bit more knowledge and then. Well, there's, there's, I mean, there's a blind singer. Wait, there's, there's two blind singers. Okay, so which one is Ray Charles and which one is Stevie Wonder, right? And, and, and so a lot of my exposure to Stevie in the mid '80s, you know, kind of preschool into kindergarten was kind of you have this vague awareness of where he fit in pop culture with, with um, Eddie Murphy doing him on SNL or, or his, his kind of landmark appearance on the Cosby Show season two where. Um, memorably as as the narrative went that denise uh hit his limo or he, he hit denise's limo or whatever the case and he had you know and so then they go to the studio and there's a whole thing about that and so you're kind of aware of stevie wonder and you're, you're aware of the you know kind of of the braids and with the braids with the beads and all that and you're aware of him as a pop culture icon and then you kind of at least for me i kind of went backwards to appreciate the music and with all that being said uh, the the standards the kind of ballad standards were just some of my parents and aunts and uncles' favorite uh, music. So as time went on, then, you know, the, the wedding song or the kind of anniversary song standards were Ribbon in the Sky or Overjoyed or My Sherry Amore or all these songs. And so I, I probably, for the first 20 years of my life, kind of thought of Stevie Wonder more as kind of a piano singer, which, I mean, it's true, but kind of in that kind of Elton John sense. And it's only 
you know, it's only later on you realize kind of the genius in the way people like Elton John or other people talk about him in that era. He just he owned the 70s and in a way that's, you know, almost unprecedented. And like you said, then Prince took the torch or other people took the torch. But but yeah, so it, I understand. I understand that people hate the 80s stuff, but that was kind of the you know, we are the world, all that kind of stuff. That was the only that was the only Stevie Wonder stuff I knew before his kind of his kind of pop culture renaissance but yeah the the 70s stuff is unimpeachable i feel like hate the 80s is probably overselling it a little bit i mean i don't hate everything in the 80s like i think i just called to say i love you is probably the worst song that he's ever done um you know but i like i don't mind part-time lover you know i love i love the sentiment behind happy birthday you know i really enjoy master blaster simply because the fact that it references um robert mugabe which is kind of insane um you know and obviously i already talked about so what the fuss um you know and there's a couple of other tracks on um on uh time to love that i also really enjoy um i just feel like you know i mean even if you look at the kind of reviews of those albums it's clear that everyone is like oh you know this is not as good as the stuff from you know the 1970s like that's always the review um, it's always it's just not as good and you know maybe this is the ret- it's always that kind of thing of you know this is the return to form like oh you know you didn't like characters well don't worry about that you know mm-hmm. conversation piece is a better album than that and it's almost as good as his stuff from the 70s and then it's like oh you didn't like conversation piece well don't worry you know at- <laughs> and, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's always that kind of cycle of the critics being like oh no it's no original no. music aquarium <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's always it's always this thing of like oh yeah no this is uh, this, this is this is better than the, the last album don't worry the, you know it's not as bad as that this is you know this is the the, the the better version um you know like this is almost as good as the stuff from the 70s and i feel like you know he's never he's never kind of ever gonna be as good as he was in the 70s because you know he was a 20 year old kid who had like no commitment to anything else he could just be a musician and that's what he did you know that's why he put out so many albums Mm -hmm. and um you know kind of the tragedy of prince's life was that he he didn't have children you know he only had music and that's why he put out 39 albums in 39 years like right right that music was you know that you know to to avoid the cliche maybe music was his children like those were his children that was the thing that he produced and so with stevie wonder he he has got children he's got a lot of children and they tour with him and they sing with him and you know like uh you know aisha you know we heard her on isn't she lovely as a baby and now you know she's on a track on a time to love singing with her father so you know like he had like he has this family and i think that's the thing that kind of took his attention rightfully so like i'm sure stevie wonder is probably the best father who's ever lived like he strikes me as somebody who <laughs> is like probably one of the nicest guys in existence you know who's always kind of upbeat and you know somebody who could have easily been bitter and angry for his entire life and yet everything about him seems to be so kind of positive and joyful and i you know yes. it's understandable that he decided i'm not going to release an album a year I'm going to spend time with my kids. And that's that's a choice that I completely understand. But the problem was when he went back to eventually, you know, releasing an album for the first time in 10 years or nine years or however big the gaps were, um, they they were never going to be as good as the stuff that he'd put out before. Not to say they're not bad. You know, I still, if anybody listens to the So What The First, you know, I, I think I gave that like a four out of five. I really enjoy that track. You know, I always enjoy Stevie's voice, but I just think the the quality of the albums kind of dropped so quickly that it's like, 
I, you know, I, I can't bring myself to kind of go all the way through every single track on conversation piece. <laughs> like it would just be, right. yeah, yeah. it would be a slog for me. And I don't think anybody would really want to listen to me kind of trying to make the best out of my, my love is with you, you know, like I, you know, so, you know, not to say that there's not good Stevie wonder stuff in the eighties, you know, I could probably come up with a top 10 of Stevie wonder stuff from the eighties. Um, but I just don't think it's as compelling as the seventies albums. Like they're, you know, they're called the classic period for a very specific reason because they are, you know, it's a run of albums that I don't think any, I can't think of any other artist, and I'm including Prince, who's had a run as strong as, you know, right. where I'm coming from through to songs in the key of life. Like if you can pick any artist and show me a run of like kind of six albums where, you know, almost every track is kind of better than anything else that's been put out in that year um you know it's it's kind of an amazing run and i you know i don't know that, that any other artists are gonna and i'm not just talking about artists who had a good run of albums i'm talking about artists who had critically acclaimed albums that also as with songs in care life managed to sell 10 million copies like i'm talking about a level of success you know winning grammy for album of the year and best male performance and all this kind of, like an, a level of success that's kind of acknowledged by both the public and his peers you know and also critics like everybody kind of is in agreement at how good these albums were um and i don't think i can't think of any other artist you know prince probably had a good run from i would say dirty mind through to around the world in a day but even some people would think around the world in a day is a subpar album so you know right and that's a run of like five albums um, you know, there was there are some people who probably could give you, you know, any number of groups who've had a good run. I mean, probably Radiohead, but then some people don't like yeah. In Rainbows. So, <laughs> you know, so from like OK Computer, Kid A, Amnesiac, I mean, that's a good run of three albums. But after that, it's hard to find people who agree. And also albums, you know, the albums after that point didn't sell as much as those other albums. So, you know, you might have people who've got a critical success for three or four albums or, you know. But they didn't have the same level of kind of, you know, being so mainstream. Like, that's the thing, you know, obviously you talked about it with Stevie Wonder in the 80s being at pretty much every single awards ceremony. Um, yeah. Also, he's kind of had the tragic thing of so many people he's known have died and he plays at their funerals. Right. Like, he spent the yes. last decade playing at funerals more than award shows, you know, like, and... And and so I think maybe also that kind of there's a you know obviously the death of his ex-wife and there's various people in his life that he's kind of lost and I think that's also probably made him kind of decide to not spend all his time in the studio, you know Prince lived in a house that was a studio <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, you know right whereas Stevie Wonder has always been someone who's gone to specific studios and you know there are stories of him in the seventies basically hiring you know, like Electric Ladyland for 24 hours so he could just go in and record as many songs as he wanted. He can't do that when he's got nine kids and <laughs> a family to raise. Right. And, you know, so I can understand why things slowed down for him. Um, but also, you know, this kind of run of albums is so amazing. Uh, I think it's kind, it's kind of weird because it's like, I feel that we're extremely lucky that um, certainly as people who were born after these albums were released... <laughs> We mm -hmm. kind of get to appreciate them with twenty twenty hindsight. We we get to look at these kind of five six albums right. and be like, this was amazing. You know, he did he did an amazing run of albums. Then he started a family, and you know, after that, it's kind of like the choice between spending his time doing music or raising a family. And I'm kind of happy that he decided to, you know, go go for the for the good of everybody. Just kind kind of concentrate on raising a family, and you know, leave the music to somebody else. 
you know, uh, uh, I think his legacy is kind of um, at this point unquestionable. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody can kind. Of, even if you look at the stuff from the eighties and nineties, you can't say that and then say, "Oh, Stevie Wonder's not good." You know, it, it, I, at any point, I can just go, "Well, try and tell me which song on Talking Book is not good. Try and tell me what song on Innovations is right. not good." Like, you're not going to find it. You know, maybe you'll find one. At- and and it's weird. And it's weird too. And, and because songs that I don't necessarily care for as much, I still feel like for some people, and it's kind of like what you mentioned, like this might be someone's favorite disco song. I know for my wife, um, jamming Master Blaster, I don't even think she knew it was a Stevie Wonder song 20 years ago, but it was just like, because she liked Bob Marley, and she was like, oh, have you heard this song, jamming Master Blaster? It's my favorite kind of full, you know, Bob Marley song, you know, and I'm not a really a smooth jazz fan at all but when he was doing that girl and that, like, like every time i don't turn on the radio too much but every time you turn on the radio during the day on certain uh spots in the dial that seems like they're playing that girl because it's so mid-80s kind of smooth jazz and so it's not my bag but for some people that's probably their favorite jazz you know kind of jazz light song and so i feel like he wanted to touch all these genres um at a time where you know less people were doing that and so you know for us, it may be, like you said, it may be two out of five, three out of five, some of these tracks, but, but he, I feel like he wanted to genre hop and that they're pretty good examples of the genre, even, but even if it's not everybody's favorite. I mean, you know, the, the, the upside to every single Stevie Wonder song is Stevie Wonder is singing them. So <laughs> yeah, it's never a bad thing. Anyway, I feel like that is a good time to finish and go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Well, I'd like to plug my brand new podcast songs after the key of life in which i go through see no, i'm just playing i'm not doing that uh you can find me on uh Tetonia world at youtube if you'd like to uh check out some wisconsin sports videos um that's where you find me or i'm david dunn 21 on twitter and for this project and only this project you can find us on twitter at stevie by wonder thanks as well for being my guest here today thank you so much and otherwise goodbye <laughs>